Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 1 through 18. It's found on page 1093 in your uh, pew Bible. If you do not have a Bible, I encourage you to follow along in the pew Bible. It, is, it, it will match up to what I'm reading. But that's one of the great things about the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago is that it brought our ability to have scripture and to read it for ourselves to see exactly what God wrote down instead of trusting the person up here. Again, that's Acts 11, 1 through 18. It is written. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you, want, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, At that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. You and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Here ends the reading of the word of God. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, when first reading this as a pastor of a church, it sounds a bit all too familiar that Peter, who's leading the church in Jerusalem, goes off and begins telling other people the gospel, new, different people, and the church is growing, and he shows back up to his home church, and people are mad at him. Sounds all too familiar. It it almost sounds like it continues today in the church that there's always a group upset with the pastor over something that's being done. But I don't think that's the point of this scripture. It's just to help us not feel bad. But what happens here, we notice, is that news travels fast. 
It travels really fast. Peter was in Caesarea, and before he even gets back to Jerusalem, the news has spread through Judea and in Jerusalem of what he did with the Gentiles. Now, it's no surprise to us that news travels fast within the church community, is it? Oh, there's some groans. Oh, there's some truth to that, Pastor. Yes, while the scriptures call us not to gossip and, not, and, and to hold our tongue, somehow news still travels fast among our community. And it did in the early church as well. So here is Peter. He had ate with and worshipped with and baptized Gentiles. He went into their home in which he knew when he walked in to Cornelius' home, he says, it is unlawful for Jews to be in a Gentile's house. You know this. Yet he went in anyway because God had told him to and instructed him to, and he was set to tell the gospel message. But here are these Christians in Jerusalem. Scripture calls them the circumcision party, and it's not that kind of party. Circumcision party, they were more, they, they, they are what Paul calls the Judaizers. They're who he would refer to in his letters as men of James. Those who would require, who believed that in order to be a Christian, a true Christian, a true believer, you must first become truly Jewish. And then you can become a Christian. That what was required was not only circumcision, but a strict following of dietary laws and restrictions as well. Following the festivals, everything in the Old Testament first, and then you can become a Christian. And so the circumcision party, those within the church, confronted and challenged Peter upon his arrival back in Jerusalem. They were none too happy to hear that Peter was running off with Gentiles, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as he had been commissioned by Jesus. But they had a point. They had a point. They had an interpretation of Scripture that led them to this understanding. See, in Exodus, God tells Moses and the people in the wilderness that you are my holy nation. You are my holy nation and holy in the Hebrew here in this moment used in that part of Exodus means set apart. You are my set apart nation. You are unlike any other nation. You are my holy nation. They also had those dietary restrictions, dietary laws found in Leviticus 22 through 26. That if you eat this, you're clean. That if you eat that, you're made unclean, ceremoniously unclean. There was time waiting periods. There were sacrifices to be made if you were made unclean. But we remember Peter's vision. But the point of those dietary laws... You must not eat like the nations, because again, you are my holy nation. You are set apart. One of the things that set them apart was their dietary laws. And then we can even go into Deuteronomy, another book of Moses, in chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It's talking about marriage and, and joining together, and it comes down to this, do not be joined to them. 
This is one of the reasons there was such disdain towards Samaritans because Jewish people had joined in marriage with another nation, another ethnicity, another race. But here it is in Deuteronomy, do not be joined to them. And the circumcision party is looking at Peter saying, you went in their house, you fellowshiped with them. You told them the gospel and you baptized them, making them brothers and sisters in Christ. We are now joined to them and God says, do not join to them. Peter heard this challenge. But even Peter struggled with this understanding that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Even after this run-in with the circumcision party, it wouldn't be the last one that he would encounter. Paul would record another one in Antioch when he writes to the church in Galatians. In chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, he writes, But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Even Peter struggled in understanding fully the grasp of God's grace. Some of it was the fear that he's already run into this circumcision party once, bringing a challenge against him. But it was this understanding that God's grace was for everyone. It's this vision he had. And so as he's confronted, it says that Peter explained in detail, in order, what happened. He begins telling them, He says, the Gentiles received the same gospel and the same spirit we received on Pentecost. How could I stand in God's way? So Peter says he was directed by God to do exactly what he did when he was at Cornelius' house. He says, first he saw a divine vision. He was in a trance and he saw that sheet come down with all kinds of animals. And then he heard a divine voice telling him that all was made clean. And then Peter receives a divine instruction to go with the men who are coming to call for him and to go share the gospel in the house in which he's led. And then when Peter follows everything God has directed him, Peter sees a divine manifestation of God's grace poured out on the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit descended upon them and they spoke in tongues. We can go back and we can see that in chapter 10 that when that happens, he says, who am I to stand in God's, to to keep water, the baptism of water from these people? And so then they were baptized and then they were brought into the fold of the faith. And as Peter declares this, it proves Gentiles now belong to the family of God. And Peter, too, has scripture in the Old Testament to stand on because this isn't something new. This is something God has foretold since the very beginning. 
since the very beginning that the gospel, that salvation would be for all the people. See, as he encountered Abram in Genesis 12, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is why Matthew records the genealogy at the very beginning of his gospel. So that we can trace back the lineage of Jesus, of his mother Mary, all the way back to Abraham. And that it would be through his lineage, through Jesus Christ, in which all the world would be blessed. Because until that point, we had to earn our own salvation. We had to get right with God ourselves. And through Abraham and his family and through Jesus Christ alone, we are blessed with salvation. Because as Pastor Chris taught us, he was a substitute who atoned for our sins, making us right with God. That's the blessing that came from Abram's family. The psalmist would write the 87th Psalm and say, On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say, and of Zion it shall be said, the one that this one and that one were born in her, for the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples, this one was born here. God himself records and registers us upon our spiritual birth saying, we are born of the kingdom of heaven. And then the great prophet Isaiah, as it's revealed to him about the servant and the Messiah in the 49th chapter, God says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. They've had the scriptures the entire time pointing that salvation would be available for the entire world. That there would be neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but that the gospel was available for all. And when Peter explains exactly what happened there in Caesarea, they can't but help themselves glorify God by saying this in verse 18. Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. And what we see 
And all of this encounter of Peter and the expansion of the gospel where we see that the gospel is for everyone, that Jesus Christ is good news for everyone, we see not only an enlarging of who's included and the gospel is made available to, but we also see a required change in attitude for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see a required change in attitude. See, our attitude towards the world, to those who don't know God, haven't heard the good news of Jesus Christ, is supremely important. Our attitude to the world is supremely important. This is the whole thrust of the book of Jonah. Jonah, it's about grace and mercy. Jonah is called as the prophet to go to Nineveh to call them to repentance so that they might receive grace and mercy from God. And Jonah does not want to go. Why? Because he doesn't like them. Because he doesn't want them to have the grace. Because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh because it's not the place for him. Those Ninevites are evil, awful people that don't deserve anything from God. And so he runs away. And you know what? God thinks of his own will and his own, and his own prejudice against the Ninevites. Well, he shows them. He throws them in the belly of a great fish. And yet, still, when he emerges from the great fish and he goes to Nineveh and he tells them to repent, and they do, he's upset. Why? Because they got God's grace. He was upset they got God's grace. For those of us in Christ Jesus... There is no basis for discrimination of any kind. The gospel is for everyone, even us. Which means no one is beyond God's grace. Not even our worst enemy in our entire lives is beyond the grace of God. And we celebrate it. And we shout and sing, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah. And then it actually happens. And like Jonah, we get upset. We love the grace and forgiveness when it's for us and people we like. We get upset. We get bent out of shape when we see our enemies and those who aren't like us receive grace when we think they deserve punishment. It's quite infuriating when those we believe deserve some punishment get grace, isn't it? But isn't that exactly what we got? We deserve punishment and yet we still got grace? See, Paul tells the truth when he writes the letter to the Romans in the fifth chapter, verse 8. And he says, while we were yet sinners... And you can stop reading right there. While we were yet sinners, while we were in no position to demand anything of God, while we were in no position to tell God what to do with us, Christ died for us. Proving God's love. This is the good news. But we couldn't demand it of God. What we deserved, as Paul writes, as the Bible clearly explains, is death. For the wages of sin is death. And yet here we are among the redeemed. You see, it's so often 
when we're on this side of grace, that we have appointed ourselves to be the gatekeepers for God's grace. And nowhere in Scripture are we called to be gatekeepers of grace. We are called to be the light of Christ to the world. We are called as the body of Christ to be present in the world. We are called to be ambassadors to the good news of Jesus Christ. We are called to be witnesses to his resurrection and his salvation through his atoning work on the cross. But we are not called to be gatekeepers. The Apostle James writes in the second chapter of his letter so clearly, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And we get it. We understand that for those who are in Christ Jesus, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is no hierarchy in Christ's church. There is no elitism. There is no one better than another. No matter how educated, uneducated you are. No matter how much money or less money you have. No matter your ethnicity, your nationality, no matter your race or your sex, there is no hierarchy or elite status within the church. Merely, Scripture says, there's different gifts doled out by the Spirit. None of them are ranked higher than the other. Simply because we are redeemed does not merit us to have an attitude of prejudice. Because when we have prejudice and discrimination in our hearts and on our lips and in our lives, for a believer, it's an obscenity. It's obscene to be in Christ Jesus and hold prejudices against another of God's created being. Because we know better than the rest exactly what we deserve was punishment and death. And we didn't get it. We got grace. And nobody, nobody is beyond the reach and the grace and the love of Christ. That's why we're called to go and share the light, to tell the gospel, to be the ambassadors, to be the witnesses. Because we are the ecclesia. The word found in Acts that we translate from Greek to mean church, but properly translated means people called from the world to God. See, we're still set apart from the world. But what sets us apart is that we have been given what we don't deserve. And we are to live a life full of love for others. For before Jesus was betrayed, as he was there celebrating the Passover feast, he gave them a new commandment in the Gospel of John. That you love others as I have loved you. And even before that, he ex explained and exhorted to love your enemies. And not only just love them, but pray for them. We sing the songs of our faith with smiles and with gusto that they will know we are Christians by our love. This is the calling of those who are in Christ Jesus. 
because the gospel truly is for everyone. And we're set apart by our faith, our repentance, our baptism, our obedience, and our love. Simply because we hold the attitude that the gospel is for everyone does not mean that we still allow sin to be okay in our lives. But that we allow God to convict us, the Holy Spirit to give us power and victory over it so that we are sanctified daily. Because God calls us from the world to himself. And as it says here, their response in giving God glory was that the Gentiles have been granted repentance that leads to life. That they turn from their old ways, their old world, their own selves, and look only to Christ for all they have. Where the circumcision party was wrong is they required circumcision plus the gospel. What Peter comes and tells them is that all I have is Christ. All I need is Christ. And so we go and we baptize all the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey to obey that new commandment of love that hate and discrimination have no place because they will know we are Christians by our love. Amen.